I've been trying to lay a foundation, and I'm going to talk quick because I want to get to some good truth today before we celebrate communion together. But I want to finish this series on Undefeated, talking about another pillar, which is hoping in the presence of God. But we talked about the, pro- the providence of God. We talked about the promises of God. We talked about the power of God. And now today we're talking about the presence of God. Open up your Bibles, or you can follow on the screen, to Isaiah chapter 60. And I want to read verses 2 and 3 with you. I'm trying to establish a principle that when things get dark, that's when God is getting ready to do something awesome. I want you to associate darkness not with withdrawal and defeat, but I want you to associate darkness with anticipation that God is about ready to do something fresh and new on planet Earth. And I want to build this case for you scripturally. Look at Isaiah chapter 60, verses 2 and 3. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. And I like that word, but. I circle that word in my Bible. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All the nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. How many of you know when darkness as black as night covers planet earth, it is the backdrop for God getting ready to display his glory. And I, I, want, to, I want you to get this in your spirit. God never lets the devil win. He never lets darkness win. He always, always, always will fulfill his promises, and he always will show his strength. So when times are dark, that's when the church should be licking her chops with anticipation. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, then the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, will lift up a standard against him. We are in the middle of a battle on planet Earth. How many of you can attest to this? Sometimes I'm going to be going into a series where we're going to be talking about how to shepherd and guard our hearts uh, in the season in which we're living. But can I just encourage you, we are in war. And there are casualties in war, and there are challenges in wartime, and there are obstacles, and there are battles, and, and there, are, there are times we get wounded in war. But I want you to know, every time the devil comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard against him, because that is the nature of our God. And so I believe America finds herself, even now, in a situation when things are darker than perhaps in our lifetime. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've never, I've never seen darkness like we're seeing now. We're seeing such perversion, such a twistedness, such a departure from the law of God and the vision of God on planet Earth that we just shake our heads sometimes at the depravity. But I'm telling you, we should be, we should be on the edge of our seats, not shrinking back, not quitting, not hiding, not looking to be raptured, but anticipating God to do something powerful in our lifetimes. Let me share with you what happens when God shows up. Last week, we talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. Ever since Pentecost, we have been given this great hope that God's going to continue to pour out the Holy Spirit on the church for this reason, to empower her to fulfill the mission that she's been given and to fulfill the promises of God. How many of you know here's a promise of God that's not been fulfilled? The earth will be full of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How many of you know God said that? It's going to happen. How many of you know the Great Commission has not been fulfilled? It will be fulfilled. 
the choice is do we want to do it in our lifetime or do we want to drop the baton and let the next generation pick it up? How many of you know every nation will hear the gospel, Matthew 24, 14, and then the end will come? This has yet to be fulfilled, but it will be fulfilled before Christ returns. And listen to me, for it to be fulfilled, we need another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God does not expect us to do this in our own strength. Lord knows we can't do this in our own strength. But here's the good news. Pentecost was not just a one-time, isolated, historical event. We should be praying for and expecting great outpourings of the Holy Spirit until the day Jesus sets foot back on planet Earth. Pentecost was whetting the appetite of the church for what God was going to do repeatedly throughout history. Now, he might not do it in the same exact manner, but the Holy Spirit is being poured out. And I just want to say this. Some of you didn't know this. We are a Pentecostal church. Now, we're not a denominational Pentecostal church, but every New Testament church is a Pentecostal church. It was a church that's roots were birthed in Holy Spirit fire. And how many of you know when the church gives up the Holy Spirit, we become a religious club. We're like the Moose Lodge or something like that, all right? How many of you know we got to do better than the Moose Lodge? And I'm not offending any Moose Lodge members in here. I have no idea what the Moose Lodge even does. I bless them in Jesus' name. But we have a greater calling than the Moose Lodge. Are you hearing, all right? We're not, you know, we're not the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, the Cub Scouts. We're not just a goody organization. We're the Church of Jesus Christ. Come on. Hallelujah. So here's, I'm wanting to whet your appetite today that the kingdom of Christ advances through history in the form of revivals. These are the great promises of God, or rather there's great promises of God that are yet to be fulfilled, and they cannot be fulfilled unless God keeps pouring out His Spirit, and these special times of outpouring are what we on planet Earth generally call revivals. Now, a revival, I'm going to give you some definitions quickly here. A revival is a divine intervention in the normal course of spiritual things. How many of you know the normal course of spiritual things is not bad? We raise families, we go to work, we read our Bibles, we pray, we have quiet times, we baptize new believers, we, we build buildings, we plant schools. How many of you know that's all the normal course of stuff and it's all good? I don't want to disparage any of it. But how many of you know it's not good enough to get done what God needs to get done, so God has to intervene in human history and pour His Holy Spirit out in greater measure to help expedite what He's called us to do. How many of you know when God takes the field, that's when we want to get off the field? I just want to tell you, if God was on my football team, I would hand Him the ball and get away. And I would just let let Him go. Because how many of you know He's unstoppable? And human beings take a step back when God begins to move. Let me just tell you, life is tough by itself. How many of you know living for Jesus isn't always easy, especially in some countries where you could lose your life for being a Christian? It's not easy. But I'll tell you this, it, it begins to get real easy when God shows up. You preach, wow, the presence of God confirms the word with signs and wonders following. I tell you, any one of us in this room that's a lover of Jesus, we should be living for revival. We should be hungering for God to move. And I'll make a case for that this morning. Revivals are supernatural demonstrations of God's power and God's presence. And I love this next definition. Revival is a strategic attack by God upon the strongholds of Satan. Isn't that good? 
It's when God just says, you know what, enough. How many of you know God and the devil are not like twins, they're not like fighting, and they're not equal? Um, Satan is a created being. God can trample him as he pleases. Martin Luther in his famous hymn said, one little word shall fell him, all right? All God has to do is speak. There are times in history when God says, you know, enough is enough, and God simply stands up and demonstrates his right and his power and his glory. In fact, this is my greatest hope for revival. When You know, the psalmist said this in Psalm 119. He said, it's time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. This has been a truth that has been burned in my heart. It lays the foundation of my prayer life, and it is this. When you pray for God to be glorified, when you pray for His name to be exalted, when you pray in Jesus' name, when you pray for His glory, you're on the surest ground you could possibly stand on to pray. And how many of you know the psalmist here is saying, God, they're trampling your law. Guess what's happening in America today? The law of God is being trampled. We made a mockery of marriage. We make a mockery of gender. We make a mockery of sex. We make a mockery of everything that is holy and pure and true. We openly mock God and mock his law. First of all, there should be a holy jealousy in your heart. If you identify with Jesus, there should be a fire in your bones. God, how long can we allow this to happen in our culture without saying something, without doing something, without standing up and acting? But I want you to know there's something greater at work here. God himself can only tolerate the trampling of his glorious name and his glorious word and his promises for so long. And then he rises up and says, enough is enough. I'm not taking it anymore. That's what we call revival. That's what the enemies of God call the most dreadful day on planet earth. Uh, And the the book of Revelation says they're running, trying to hide in caves from the fury of the wrath of God. God does not put up with this stuff for very long. Revival serves two important purposes. Number one, it counteracts spiritual decline. You know, when David is leading us in our worship team, leading us in that song, Rattle, dead bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I'm not going to stay in the grave. I'm coming out. Man, I love that part. Uh, how many of you know the church has got to come out of the grave? We've got to stop being worldly, ungodly. We've got to stop allowing the same sin out there to be in the house. We've got to have a desire for holiness and righteousness and purity. We have to say, first of all, hey, you dead bones, hear the word of the Lord. Come alive. I don't know about you, but I, I, I sense the Holy Spirit water level rising this morning. I mean, you know, y'all came to worship today. I'll say it again. Y'all came to worship today. There, there's, a, there's a Holy Spirit sense of electricity that can be tangibly felt when God is in a place. I'm wanting you to get an appetite for that. We can get together and have a kumbaya sing-along, and everybody can hit the perfect notes and play the right notes and sing it and smile and move on cue. But we're not, this isn't a show. This is an encounter with God. This is a, we're crying out for his presence. Oh, my goodness. Psalm 68, I'll read the good old King James, that's what I memorized. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. That's what I'm talking about when God shows up. When God demonstrates his manifest presence in a place, the enemies of God are scattered. I'm praying that that happens even in America today. Second purpose of revival is it creates spiritual momentum. Spiritual momentum. How many of you know in a sporting event, When the momentum shifts, 
Maybe if you're a football player, maybe there's an interception, fumble recovery, or somebody scores on a kickoff return. It's a momentum shifter. And how many of you know when the momentum shifts, everything changes in the outcome of that game? I want you to know right now, everything seems to be against us as God's people in America. Anybody feel like you're swimming upstream? I mean, you know, it's hard swimming upstream. You get tired swimming upstream. Sometimes you're swimming upstream and you look around and you haven't made any progress. You're just holding your own. But then God shows up. When God shows up, it's like he turns you around and you're going down this rapid river, all right, and you're trying to keep up with what God is doing. I mean, you know, that's what we want. We want a, we want a river of God's glory flowing out of us, out of this place, to where, listen, ministry and the things of God become almost easy when God shows up. People's hearts are changed. People are set free. People are healed. It's incredible what happens when God shows up in power. Let me give you some examples from history. David Brainerd, when he came to the United States and had a heart to reach uh, the Indian tribes with the gospel, he didn't know the language, but he was burdened to reach these people. And when you read his accounts, many times he was kneeling in the snow there in New Jersey, all right? And around him, the, the, the heat and the fire of his intercession was so powerful, it melted a circle around him uh, where the snow melted because of the fiery prayers that were being poured off of this guy's spirit. And this is what he said, I stood amazed at the influence that seized the audience almost universally and could compare it to nothing more aptly than the irresistible force of a mighty torrent. In other words, as he's preaching and sharing, a, a presence from another world came into that place and seized the hearts of every person listening. And God began to sovereignly transformed the lives of the people that were within the sound of his voice. And people were coming to know the Lord all because of this seizing, this sense of this influence that was the tangible presence of God. John Knox, the great Scottish reformer, back in his day, 1500, said this, God did so multiply our number that it appeared as if men had rained from the clouds. Oh, my goodness. For the last three, three days, we've had almost continual rain. It hasn't been torrential rain. It's been that light mist rain. You all know what I'm talking about. Just, just a drizzle everywhere. I want you to see the natural and begin to see things in the supernatural. I'm believing God's pouring out His Spirit like a drizzle. I mean, you know, when you're baptizing 20 folks or so this Sunday and you hear the testimonies about what God's doing in your all's lives around here, how I mean, you know the Lord is alive and He's always uh, moving among His people? But I'm telling you, there's a drizzle right now. But how many of you can believe with me there's a day coming when men are going to be falling from the sky like rain, meaning they're coming and giving their lives to Christ. They're hungry for God. They're hungry and desperate for change. Pastor Dick shared when the Iron Curtain fell in, in the Soviet Union and they were part of a church planting movement, he said this. He said, people were getting saved by the acre. I don't know about you, but I want to see people saved by the acre. I don't want a drizzle coming down. I want a torrential downpour to come down. That's what I want to see in my lifetime. Jonathan Edwards, during the First Great Awakening, this is the 1700s, early 1700s. Jonathan Edwards said the Spirit of God began extraordinarily to set in. How I many you know the Spirit of God is here, but there's a time coming when the Spirit of God extraordinarily comes. How I many you know that's the extra? Revival grew, and souls did, as it were, come by floods to Christ. 
That's when the enemy comes in like a flood. God raises up a standard. God has his own flood. It's a flood of souls that come to know the Lord. And I love this. You know, when God's presence comes, there's a powerful conviction of sin, and the fear of the Lord grips the church once again. And I want you to see this happened during the Welsh Revival, which was an incredible move of God. This was an eyewitness account from a guy named Thomas Charles. Those who were foremost in wickedness and rebellion are now amongst the foremost in seeking for mercy and salvation in the blood of the Lamb. How many of you have those people that you know and you're like, this person's never going to come to know the Lord. This person is so rebellious. This person is so hard-hearted. This person is so cynical, so jaded, so jacked up, so demonized, so, so addicted. When God's Spirit comes with power, God loves to show off by saving those people in your family tree that you and everybody else have written off, and they become some of the most powerful voices and testimonies for righteousness because God loves to do the hard thing. And there's not one, I just want to say this to somebody today, there's not anybody in your family that's outside the reach of the gospel. There's not any person right now that you know that God can't rock and change. And some of, the, some of the guys that got an A-plus on their report card in rebellion and perversion are some of the choice candidates for the mercy and kindness of God. And I can't wait to see some of those people in our region. You know, those are the big drug dealers and some of those kind of folks that all of a sudden get rocked by the presence of Jesus. These are the folks that are involved in witchcraft and Satanism and all that kind of stuff, involved in trafficking and everything else. Those people are trophies that God brings in the day of his power. And it's happened before. It can happen again. It will happen again. George Whitfield said this, for nearly three months in the autumn of 1737, there was no end of people flocking to hear the Word of God. I mean, you know, that was a downpour of the Holy Spirit. People flocking for three months straight to hear the Word of the Lord preached because there was such a hunger and fear in their hearts for the Lord. Look what John Wesley said. Great multitudes are everywhere awakened. Can you believe? Why, do, why wouldn't God want to do that in America? Why wouldn't there be a time in our gross darkness and perversion where the Lord would delight in seeing great multitudes everywhere having the, having the scales taken off of their eyes and recognizing their need for the Lord? And let me just say this. When you read about the outdoor preaching of Wesley and Whitfield, it happened for two reasons. The first reason was because organized religion was so dead and so far gone that the pastors didn't want these guys preaching in their churches because stuff would happen. Can I just tell you, when God shows up, stuff happens. And can I tell you something else? If you're religious and comfortable and you just want to come to church and hit your time clock and head out of here and you don't want God to ever show up or ever make you uncomfortable or ever rock somebody or ever heal somebody or ever set somebody free from a demon, you're in the wrong crowd. You're in the religious crowd and you're going to miss out on God. But here's the deal. 
When every pulpit in America was shut to George Whitfield, was shut to John Wesley, they took the gospel outside. And I want to tell you something else, and I want you to hear this. The reason they took the gospel outside, in addition to being disinvited inside, I want you to hear this. There was not room to handle what God was fixing to do outside. They needed bigger facilities, and there were none. And I just want to say something publicly. If you think we're adding on because somehow we think we're going to contain the move of God in northwest Indiana, I just got news for you. There is not going to be a building in this region that's going to contain the move of God. Come on. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. God, we're hungry. Do it, Holy Spirit. Come on, Jesus. Pastor, do we really have hope for cultural transformation? I was just listening to somebody talking the other day, a pastor, say the Bible doesn't teach that we can transform culture. We just need to get people saved. Transform people, transform cultures. And when you get a movement of God, of people living for Christ, how in the world could you not change education, law, government, everything? How can you not change that unless you're hiding in a closet somewhere? But if you're living your life and you're taking dominion and you believe that Christ comes to advance his agenda, then you're going to be looking for opportunities to influence every arena around you, the marketplace, every arena. Listen to what John Wesley said in his day. I was surprised. So much drunkenness, cursing, swearing, even from the mouths of children. Rodney was just saying, Rodney and Dana were sitting out at Cracker Barrel, and they, they were saying hi to this little girl and, uh, you know, doing the cute little smile thing with little kids, and she just turned at him and gave him the middle finger. Now, where do you think a two-year-old learns how to do that? He said, even cussing, cursing, swearing, even from the mouths of children. He said, I don't remember to have seen and heard before in so small a compass of time. But here's what I want you to see. So now you got perversion everywhere, darkness everywhere, profanity, coarseness, you know, wickedness. Oh my gosh. What, so, so what did he say? Do you see what he said next? Surely this place is ripe. This place is ripe. When the darkness is in your face, you're not looking to run. You're going, this is ripening. God is going to get ready to do something amazing. The conditions are ripe for a move of God. Can I just tell you, in America today, we are ripe. We are ripe for a move of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. During the Welsh revival, they said this, and this is, this is one of the best definitions of revival. There is something there from the other world. I read accounts just this last week where people, how many of you know the best form of advertising for the local church is the presence of Jesus? 
When, when, when God's presence can be tangibly felt in the gathering of his people, people will drive for miles to come to that place. In fact, people are driving for miles. We're, we're, the water level is rising. Please hear me. Uh, this is not like Living Stones has arrived. I mean, you know, we're hungry. We, I'm telling you, we haven't even begun to arrive, but the rain is starting to come. And we can see it, and we're praying. I want you to pray into this. But this is the people would say, "Hey, how, where's where's that church at where God is?" And they said, "Well, you know, head that direction." And this is what they would tell them: When you get close, you'll feel it. There was a, there was a tangible sense of God's presence that could be felt, like we're getting close to where he is. Now, we know he's omnipresent. I'm talking about his manifest presence. I'm talking about when when he chooses to open the heavens over a place and pour out his glory. Listen to this testimony. This is amazing. This was from Frank Bartleman, the Azusa Street Revival. I have stopped more than once within two blocks of the place and prayed for strength before I dare go on. The presence of the Lord was so real. <laughs> I want to be able, when I leave my house, which is just 100 yards down the street, to have to pray when I'm walking to church for strength because the closer I get to the front doors, the more the glory, the weight of the glory of God rests. And his weight is so heavy and so powerful that you, you have to pray for strength to go on. Because his glory is so strong. Listen, this this has happened over and over and over again throughout human history. And, and if you just want to be religious, you don't care. But if you love God and you love his glory and you love people and you care about his vision, then this kind of stuff gets in your heart and you begin to raise your expectation. And you begin to smell the rottenness and you go, man, that this fruit is way beyond ripe. It's getting rotten. God, will you demonstrate your glory once again? for your name's sake. You, it awakens a hunger in your heart and you want more. And listen, if all you folks think, all you new folks that have been with us for the last two years, if you think God brought you here, some of you elders, deacons, former pastors leading this ministry, leading that ministry, if you think God brought you here just to look beautiful and sit in these wonderful chairs on Sunday morning, you got another thing coming. God is getting ready to pour out his glory. And you know what it's going to be? All hands on deck. So... So what do we do at Living Stones? We grow people, we multiply leaders. Every one of us should have a, a desire. First of all, repent. That's the first words out of John the Baptist's mouth. It's the first words out of Jesus' mouth. Repent. You can't enter into the fullness of what I have as long as there's too much of you. How do you know we got to repent? we got to get our own hearts right with God. But then after you're right with God and you begin to cry out for more, here's what I want you to see. Lord, what do you want to do with me? Lord, who am I? What are my gifts? How do you want to express yourself through my life? Because it's going to be all hands on deck. I'm telling you, it, we're, we're in for some of the greatest days we've ever seen in America and in our lives personally. I believe that with all my heart. Let me end with this, and then we've got to stop. After the Revolutionary War, of course, the effects of the First Great Awakening had all but disappeared. It says America found herself in a state of profound moral decay. So we have a First Great Awakening. We go to the, to the heights of the glory of God. How I many of you know it's only a couple generations later, you're back to the sin and wickedness. That's why passing the baton is so important. It's why my life matters for the, for the sake of my children and for my grandkids.
Because you're one generation away from losing Jesus in the midst of this. Our lives matter. How we live matters. One generation after the first awakening. Listen to what this is America after the first awakening. Drunkenness and shocking profanity were epidemic. I'm talking public drunkenness. I'm talking about people uh, all over the streets, drunk, all times of the day and night. Women could not go out at night for fear of assault. Bank robberies occurred in America daily. Once vital Christian denominations were all in decline. How I many know that is absolutely where we're at right now? Over 80% of the church in America is plateaued or in decline. U.S. Chief Justice John Marshall wrote to James Madison. This is what he said. The church was too far gone to ever be redeemed. Voltaire, the famous atheist, and Thomas Paine agreed that Christianity will be forgotten in 30 years. Listen to, listen to the Ivy League schools. All of these Ivy League schools were founded to, for the glory of God. And listen to the condition of the Ivy League schools right before the Second Great Awakening. A poll at Harvard found not one believer in the entire student body. Two were found at Princeton. Only five students did not belong to this movement called the Filthy Speech Movement. Students rioted. A mock communion was held at Williams College and anti-Christian plays at Dartmouth University. They burned down Nassau Hall at Princeton, and they forced the resignation of Harvard's president. They stole a Bible from a New Jersey church, and they burned it in a public bonfire. Christians met secretly on campus, and they kept minutes in code so no one would know what they were doing. And then God sent the Second Great Awakening. And listen to this. 50,000 people got set free from sin every week for one solid year. Yeah. 50,000 people a week for one year solid. Now here's my question to you. Are we not ripe for a Third Great Awakening? Yeah. Are we, I'm, I mean, I'm as serious as can be. Are we not ripe for a third great awakening? And here's my, my challenge to you. Be a prisoner of hope. Things, here's it. Things have been dark before. People have prophesied the death of the church before. I don't know about you, but we're alive and kicking this morning. Right? We're, we're far from dead. The church is growing across the globe. We're not going anywhere. Let me end with this scripture verse. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. Everybody say that with me. Help us again. Say it out loud. Help us again. Say it again with me. Help us again. This, this should be the prayer of, 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 of God's people. You helped us in times past. We've seen your mighty works. And now in this time of our deep need, God help us. Listen, I don't know how long it's going to take for America to ripen. And Have you all figured out there's nothing like an economic collapse to get people's attention. I just want to remind you, I don't know what's coming, but I know with the crazy, ridiculous spending that we're looking at right now in Congress, I know it's only a time before things hit the fan. Can I just tell you, God is, is, is controlling human history. Hallelujah. He's controlling your economy if you'll live and you submit your life to Him. 
When the shaking comes and the ripening's happening, I want you to be with me going, hallelujah, we're getting close. People are going to be desperate. People are afraid. People are lost. People don't know God. This is a time for the church to shine, to be bold, to be loving, to be kind, to preach Jesus, to lay hands on the sick, to pray, to believe God. This is our time. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray, and I want to receive communion, but I want us to do this in an intentional way this morning. Can you, When you take communion... Can you renew your personal covenant with the Lord and declare that, you know what, Lord, every one of your promises, everything Jesus died for to secure is going to happen. So you're drinking in victory. You're eating in victory. This is a victory celebration. It's a covenant meal. And I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things this morning just to help us with the flow. Everybody on this half of the sanctuary, if you'll come down this way and be served and make your way back out those doors, Everybody on this side, come over here. And if you'll go out those double doors, it will help us get the third service people in, all right? But let's pray. Lord, thank you for Jesus, for his perfect life, his powerful resurrection, his glorious ascension to the Father's right hand. And Lord, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence, God. Put a hunger in us, Lord, for more. Awaken us, God for a passion for your presence, Jesus. And Lord, we smell the ripeness in the air. So Father, we believe we're on the precipice of a great move of God. Do it, Lord, for your glory, we pray. Do it in our generation, we pray. Do it, Lord, in our lifetimes so we can see it and experience your presence. Jesus, let this place be a habitation of your glory, O Lord. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, we want to pray with you. So as you're coming on down, we want to pray with you. If you need prayer today for anything, if you need healing in your body, come on down. We want to pray with you, all right? But Lord, bless us and bless these emblems as we partake of them now. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, let's celebrate the Lord's Supper together.